<laughs> Word Podcast episode 13, go. Hi, Dylan. Hey. How are you? I'm great. What's your name? Dylan. What's your last name? Elvento. What's your middle name? Danger. Is it really? No. Oh, then why would you lie? No one would ever lie on the internet. That's what we've learned through our collective 46 years being alive. Oof. Oof. How old are you? 23. You're 23? Yeah. I'm saying we were 24 in December. Did you graduate high school in 2010? Yep. I was one of the late ones. I'm a December birthday. What? Yeah, but you're older than me, though. Yes. Yeah, and you're going to die first. All right. Yeah, okay. Why was that the... What? Oh, oh you want to... Okay, let's see. Um, Who eats crap? You do. Me. I drink. But I run a lot. Okay. A lot. Okay. Like at least once a week. <laughs> okay, so you do genuinely think you're going to live longer than me? I don't know. Who knows? Might be just genetics. Roll the die. Uh, well, genetics, I don't know if they work in my favor. I think... I've got, I've got older grandparents. My dad is still alive, by some miracle. What? The, <laughs> it's not your dad. Your dad should be alive still. My dad is 63, and he doesn't. he's not in the greatest health. Yeah. By the time he's 70, he'll invent something that can fix that. <laughs> Just put his brain in a, in a robot. That'd be cool. Your dad looks younger than 63. Well, so, you know, he took care of himself when he's my age. So I think that he's cashing in on those dividends. Mm, that's a really businessy way to put that. I bet you're a blast at parties. <laughs> How are you, Dylan? Good, good, but tired. Tired, tired from what? Long week. Long week, doing what? Schools. Like what? Examines. That's not video game related. Why aren't you doing video game related things? <laughs> I don't know. This is great for a video game podcast. Is video games paying me right now? It could be. <sighs> um, well, what have you been doing this week? Mm, I played some more Broken Age. You want to talk about Broken Age? And then I also finished Peak. So that is in a downloadable state. Oh. So we can put that up. What's Peak? Peak was the first game we completed for our first game jam. And probably the most complete game we've ever made. I don't think so. What are you talking about? The gameplay loop in Peak is 30 seconds. And it's start to finish. It has a start and a finish. Okay, but there's more to something like Nightlife. There is, but Nightlife doesn't end. Okay, but it's longer. I think that is more robust. Mm. I'll take robustness over completeness. Really? Yeah, at this point. I mean, obviously, we're going to finish that one, too, but... When Nightlife is finished, that'll be the, the most complete game. But right now, it's peak. Okay. So, play peak. So, we'll have to put that up? Yes, that'll be up this week. Um, so, some tricks with that. I tried exporting it to WebGL, mm-hmm. and the Unity compiler basically converts the entire game all of the c sharp script into native js and it doesn't work oh you mean for the web player yeah yeah so you're not gonna be able okay i get you now yeah so i think we're just gonna have to i mean it'll try running it and then it'll just spit me out some errors on the javascript console and i don't really have any experience with website javascript so i think it'd just be smarter if we 
just had a .exe and a .app version, just That's cool. giving people download. That makes sense. Yeah. It's only like a 10 meg download, 50 meg download. It's not big. Mm-mm. It shouldn't be big. It is. Well, I can check right now. Ooh. Real-time size checking. It's 92 megs. Oh, my God. The .app version. We need to optimize that. <laughs> Where's the optimization team? Dylan? I think there's built-in optimization with Unity because it can... um. It will pull out any of the Unity engine that you're not using inherently. Uh-huh. So I think that's already built in. What does that mean? So say you don't use the UI system at all. Mm-hmm. It won't compile the UI system into your game because it's not being implemented. So there is already some built-in optimization. I mean, obviously the code isn't as optimized as it could be. Come on, man. Sorry. Cut the lines out. Get rid of the comments. Is that how you optimize code? Yep, that's it. That's all you need. The only thing I know about code optimization is when you flatten like files for the web, which we do a lot. Where like you spit out like you have a CSS file and you just make it all one line. Oh really? Yeah, and that's how like it, it just dramatically I mean it doesn't dramatically, but it can, you know, cut your file down by like twenty percent. Well that makes sense. Well yeah, because it's just instead of reading it, you know, there's yeah. just no white space. Right. And you know, if there's one thing I learned from design and coding, is you want the least amount of white space possible. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, that explains why I run into so many scripts online and files that are just all one line. Right, that that's exactly why. So if you use a thing like SAS or you use a thing, um, any pre processor. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Anything like a preprocessor, um, it automatically does it for you. There are some file like web things that will do it for you too. But it's just like one of those things you do. <coughs> Jesus. Free speed. <laughs> um, free speed. So I opened the window because it was hot. That's okay. So, okay. So you might hear some cars. You already hear cars anyways. Yeah, I figured with the window. Oh, oh my God. God. All right. These are all getting cut. It's fine. And the sneezes? Why? It's, it's part of the character. That's not good radio. That's good radio. No, it's not. It's just good radio. He's going, uh. I cut all, and I cut all, unless you go, while I'm talking, and I'm like, well, that's staying in, I guess. I don't do it that much. Probably last week I did. Do I do it that much? I've edited a lot of these, so I just might get real, I edit a lot. You edit a lot? I don't know why you're not finishing the sentence. Because you keep... <laughs> I'm sick, I don't know what to tell you. I'm done. I can't change. I can't. I can't change me. Editing podcasts have kind of ruined podcasts for me. I don't know why you do it to yourself. Because these sound good. They sound good when they're plain. Sound gooder. Yeah, but I think they sound fine. But like a couple, one or two weeks ago, Daniel Dwyer was on the Bombcast, and he always has to say something in response to someone else talking. Mm-hmm. So it's just Daniel Dwyer in the corner, just going, "Uh huh, yeah, uh huh." Yeah. That's how, you, that's how you converse with someone. No, I know, but I think yeah. on the second podcast I edited, I just got sick of myself doing that. So I, I just made it. You might be getting too meta, though. You might be falling. You're not thinking through, like, you're now breaking it down as, like, this is a conversation loop, and this is when someone speaks, and this is when someone speaks back. And, like, that's not natural. That's not, like, interesting no, podcast. But, but me backing away from going, uh-huh, all the time is not that big of a deal. No, but at a certain point, you're going to become Dylan Ovento 4000, and you're just going to be the podcast robot that only has interesting things to say and never speaks over and 
the the your favorite okay take a step back my favorite parts of things like the bombcast or the nerdist are when they have completely genuine conversations like when ryan davis is talking about star trek porn and everyone's just like what are you talking like my favorite part of the nurse is when i'm not listening to it okay cool oh sick nerdist burn why don't you like the nerdist you like chris hardwick no that's a lie i just wanted to do that burn oh well that was up your burn game man the only one I've listened to is the one where he interviewed Gabe Newell. That one's pretty good. Nah, that one's probably one of the not as good ones, though. Because the other lady was on it, and I don't like her. So, there's another, there's a producer named Katie, and she's great. But I guess the other girl there was the girl he was dating at the time. And I don't know. She, she was just there? I guess so. She's a big gamer chick. I don't know. I don't know. She just didn't have any good questions to me. I don't think you have to worry about me becoming stilted or worrying too much about... Yeah, because you're already that way. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Nah, I'm not. Okay, well, I'm saying don't make your life hell by making podcasts not an enjoyable thing. The game development should be the hell, not the <laughs> podcast. It all should this be hell. This is the fun part. Because when this isn't fun, then the podcast isn't fun to listen to. And then our millions of fans turn it off. Around the globe. We need to be able to uh, auctionize them and itemize them and activate them. And sell. Sell, sell, sell. All right. Stocks are up. So you play. So, okay. So, Peak, peak is. It looks cool. Yeah. You want to talk about the logos? I, I redid the logo and I like it. You want to hear my opinion on it or no? Yeah, I do. Okay. So, the reason I like the first one, I, I think the second one looks cool. And the one, and it's fine if it's final, but I want. This is why I like the podcast because we can talk through this stuff. Is that the first one looks different. There's nothing that looks like that. The second one does look like a brand logo, which is, and it's because of the font. So the, the cool thing about the first one is that it has like a sense of, um, and we can put both of them in the podcast pose or we don't have to, I don't know. We can put it on the, on the peaks page. They don't have it. I'm dude. Well, it's fine. I'm just telling you that in my mind, I've seen, it's like when you're, when you use, if you use a cliche expression when you're writing, Right. As a writer, you don't want to speak that way, right? Because it's already been said that way a thousand times. You're not going to bring anything new to the table. And the and I'm not saying the new logo doesn't bring anything new to the table. It's just the old logo was uh, different. Even though I do like the, the upside down V. It's cool. No, it's an A. That's what the A looks like. Except Isn't that, that font? No, yeah. Oh, did you pull the cross thing out? Yeah. Oh, well, then, then it is the V. Yeah. Well, so the reason I like this new one is just, and there might be another iteration after this. Yeah, I think we gotta just let it go. Whatever, what, whatever, it. whatever happens, happens. But my point was that I just want to—I don't have a very strong Illustrator background, mm-hmm. and so being able to just mess with, okay, let's just say I want to use this typeface, and so I put it up, and then I brought the kerning in, and I was like, well, I wonder, can I manipulate the actual line itself, mm-hmm. and then I just converted. You can do it that with your outline. Illustrator file. You can do a live trace to vectorize your thing. Yeah, I know. It's just I don't know enough. About what makes a good font, because like I just see a lot of flaws with this. Like the the K just kind of looks off, and the A is too wide. Like the angle is too obtuse, and the way it crosses over the E, and I do like it. Like I like you know it served our purposes, and I would want to improve just my. I think you're being too critical on yourself because this to me, with the the sheer faces on the edges look more mountainy, and this looks more like a mountain logo. Which is cool. It, this looks like you would see on a trail map mm-hmm. if you were a Boy Scout. This 
looks like the wrapper for a uh, Procter and Gamble soap brand. <laughs> and it's not a problem. I mean, this has a, a sense of gravity and a sense of like it looks established, where the other one does look a little raw. Yeah. But I think I like the. You like raw. Well, I think it's for what Peak is. So the, the other thing is that the disconnect between this one is. What the game is and what the logo is is different. Right. Where the Pete, this logo, to me, especially because it's got the flat colors instead of the gradient, this looks more natural to the game. But, dude. I know. I'm just... They're... Just my thoughts. My thoughts. And they're always right, so I don't know what to tell you. You, you fucked so, up. So fix it. No, no. I think I think that it, it works. I just think that, that if you want to know my thought process, when I, I didn't, it's hard to text that. That's what it was. So the start screen... You know how the I like this though. I love that. You know how the buttons were pushing? Mm-hmm. They don't work anymore. Oh, I have no good. idea. I have no idea why. That's okay. Just the script's not working. But yeah, but those are still there. So I originally had these all reversed, where it said space to start at the very top. I was like, if that fades in first, the first thing someone's Boom. gonna do is hit it. That's smart thinking. So that's some smart thinking. So peak's done. Put that up. Put it up. Download it. We'll compress. Make it. a make a blog post on it. Put it in a zip. I was thinking that we also need to redo the homepage now because <laughs> no, no, the back. No, you just gotta leave it be. You don't understand. You just gotta leave it alone. It's done now. Are you serious? No, no. I'm quoting you. About what? About the peak logo. Oh no! My point about the peak logo is the disconnect between what you're looking at and then what it becomes. No, I get it. Um, so we just redo the entire peak style. Well, I mean bad. that's that's one way to do it. But that's the more time intensive. Um, I like the way peak looks, man. It looks weird. It looks weird. It's different, man. You know, the only thing I wish we could do is change have it, the alternating backgrounds. So I, I, I started going down that well, like on Thursday, or no, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And you have to go into shader coding. You have to like make your own shader and code right, to and do stuff. It, yeah. And so I I just have to start looking at tutorials for that. No, I mean, I mean it, well, that is just valuable knowledge to have going right. forward. Um. The guy I used to work with did a lot of web shader stuff with uh, WebGL, mm-hmm. and that was pretty cool. Well, this uses... How the camera angle would affect what the texture would be. Oh, really? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, this uses... Because um, there's, like, the shader file, and then inside the shader file, you can declare, kind of like how in an HTML page, you can declare a script tag for mm-hmm. JavaScript. You can declare, like, a, a C... A, no, it's not C sharp. It's just, it's just hard C. Mm-hmm. And so there's a C tag... And then you write all the C code to help make the shader do fancy stuff. But that the oh shit, what's this? What's the game called? Uh, Resident the, Evil Four. Yes. No, Papers Please. The Papers Please guy, his new game. Yeah, that's cool. Again. That's all in the two bit like, yeah, yeah. monochrome style. Yeah, that's all shaders. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, there's shaders over like three D objects, though, right? Yeah, but he doesn't color or do anything to the three D objects. They're right, just it's, like, just, it's just an effect that the game yeah. knows to render. Yeah, that's cool. That's really smart. It's also probably like really cost effective art. It's probably also I. It's probably a huge pain in the ass to, to code. Like, yeah, but once you get it once, doesn't it work for the whole game? No, it does. It's just I wouldn't even know where to start with that, and mm. so kudos to him. Yeah, good job. Good job, guy. Should done the peak logo. <laughs> Um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the the new one, but, uh, that was just mostly for my learning how to do illustrated stuff. Yeah. No, no, dude, there's no, no wasted time. There's no such thing as wasted time. So broken age. Tell me about broken age. Broken age. 
Is that uh, all you've been playing this week? What have you been playing? I kept telling myself I was going to get down well, and then I didn't get down well. I didn't get down well either. Sorry, down well. I, uh, you're going to hate me for this. I watched most of the Assassin's Creed Syndicate tr- uh, cinematics. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> That's the dumbest. I hate that trend. You and Eric Dahl both do that shit. It's so, what the, f- why? Because I'm not going to play it, probably. But, because uh, I have enough investment. It's like listening to me describe a movie to you. Like, it's not, okay, fine. I have enough investment in the Assassin's Creed universe to want to see. Do you invest in Florines? Yeah, I played Assassin's Creed 2. Did then... you invest in US dollars? No, I didn't play 3. Did you invest in francs or what's the what's the French currency? No, I think it was francs. What was the what was the black flag currency? Pirate ships. That'll <laughs> be 10 pirate ships, sir. <laughs> Two gold doubloons. Yeah, but I don't know what it was. I think it was um it was some Caribbean currency. I don't know. Black flag is great. You should get black flag. Black flag doesn't look very good though, like visually. Like that it's engine, two thousand. Yeah, that engine is starting to get a little old. Well, no, that's when they redid the Anvil engine for three. But like, it's still. I think I thought Black Flag looked great. But like, if you look at Syndicate, Syndicate looks great. It looks amazing. And I'm waiting for it for PC because I'm probably gonna get it on PC because I can buy the codes on eBay. What do you mean you're waiting for it? PC doesn't come out till November. Really? Yeah. Oh, sucks. That's weird. But it's got. Uh, it looks cool. Yeah. Okay, so, so you watch. Okay, so you're an asshole and you completely dismantle this entire art form. <laughs> to the worst part of it like you don't if, get to if, complain about piracy or anything because that's like you're pirating the narrative at what point did i ever complain about piracy no no i'm just preempting it oh okay when like eventually we sell something and like 90 we sell 100 copies of something and 90 of them are pirated i guess that would be only sold 10 copies because we released it on android i love android no no we're not going down that road so all right so tell me what you think is the story does it Appeal to you in a YouTube fashion? It appeals to me as an Anglophile that likes British culture because it's all... You like the Forrest Gump, Britain edition? <laughs> yeah. So Alexander Graham Bell's in it. And I, I thought he was American. I didn't know he was Scottish. Yeah. So he is like super Scottish. And he's just, he's the... Invent- you can't have a Scottish character in the game without it being a giant caricature of the whole Scottish culture. He's wearing a kilt. A kilt and a bagpipe. Eating haggis. He's like, I tried to make... That's not a terrible Scottish accent. I'm not going to do it. It was a Cockney accent. Scottish. Oh, fuck. Nope, that's not it either. Um, That was another part of London. Hmm. Oi! Oi! All right, whatever. Alexander Graham Bell. He's cool. He's the Leonardo... Yeah, he invented the phone. He was a Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, really? That's kind of cool. Yeah. So he's making all their inventions. I just, at some point, it's like, and then he saw Elvis. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Well, no, they've completely ruined the entire, like, through line of that entire series. So, okay, I don't want to know the story, because I am, I am going to play it. And I do like the Assassin's Creed games. I didn't like Unity. I also watched all the Unity cutscenes and never played Unity. But the Unity narrative was just boring to me. Yes, well, so this one... I didn't like the main character in Unity. Well, so that's the thing. So That's why I like Black Flag, though. So, I like the main character in Black Flag. So Jacob... So since Black Flag, they've always had like the daring rogue character. Well, that's Assassin's Creed 2. Okay, but SEO like... SEO is a daring rogue. Okay, but like... Are you putting Italian? Are you putting SEO on a higher level because he's Italian? Obviously. Okay. Because he's from the Renaissance. All right. No, okay, you're right. So from two on, but like skipping three, because I don't think Connor was really that way. Connor was more kind of the brooding type than he was the debonair. But everyone hated that. 
something that they realize that you need a fun character. Yeah, but every character can't be, or every main character can't be Han Solo. Mm, Guardians of the Galaxy disagrees. Until you read Iron my Man fan disagrees. Fiction. Iron Man? I say Iron Man's kind of Han Solo. Yeah, but not. Okay. I don't know. Star Lord's definitely Han Solo. But right, but Captain America isn't. And so you have that dichotomy between Tony Stark and Chris Evans. What's his name? Steve Rogers. Human Torch. Train guy. All right. Anyways. But so... You're building a point. I got you. Jacob, Jacob Fry, who's one of the twins, he's kind of that way, but I feel like he's better personified. But doesn't Evie, like, contrast him? Yeah. But the problem is, at the very beginning, they're very one note. Like, the... Oh, the characters are very one note? Yeah. Well, don't you feel like you have to be that way when you're introducing a narrative, though? No, and but you I'm saying... over time? But it didn't... I mean, obviously, I didn't see all of it, but, like, it it never seemed like it developed beyond that. So Everyone like, says their relationship gets better as the game goes on. And there might be a lot of dialogue you're missing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. dialogue. Yeah. Because that's how GTA does all their exposition is yeah. when you're driving. Right. And, 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 and what I saw did have some of that, but I don't know. It's just, it's not enough. Like, there is there is some sort of tension that builds between them over time. I'm going to play it, so let's table that until then because I think that there's, I don't want to, I don't want you to cast Judgment on it without knowing if the context because everyone like all the reviews say that their relationship is awesome so to me that things makes me think that there's more there because everyone seems to really like that mm-hmm. um not that you're wrong because even in the, but i feel like in a cut scene because cutscenes are two to four minutes it's hard to have a lot of depth when you're still you're trying to like progress the narrative forward well, i don't think that's true because the running total for all the cutscenes was like two and a half hours and yeah, if you can't each get scene is five minutes tops. yeah but each scene in a movie is five minutes tops yeah but it, but you don't go from in a movie it's not, it's not like you know hey forrest gump and forrest gump's like hey oh hey elvis blah blah blah, blah 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 we have to go to the vietnam war or whatever and then you walk to the plane get on the plane fight the combat and then bubble and you have a conversation it's it just cuts straight to it right but that's what this that's what the, all the cutscenes are doing that's my point you know, i'm that, saying but you're missing that games have this wider spectrum they can they work in i think in the narrative okay i think you're just the point i felt like you're trying to make before was they don't have enough time to fill all the context in the cutscenes. but that's what i am making I'm but saying, two and a half hours is plenty of time for a movie to make all that context yeah but dylan you're looking at them like it's the, the two and a half hours in a game of cutscenes compared to a two and a half hour movie is not a one-to-one comparison it's, it's two and a half hours of a 30 or 25 hour experience no but what i'm saying is that like the reason I understand that there's more to it than that, but the reason that there isn't as much narrative in the cutscenes is not because of a lot of it's being filled in through the game. I know some a lot of it is, but they use these cutscenes as the high points. The reason that a lot of story isn't told there is because not many writers are good at telling stories in those cutscenes. Like a lot of game there. A lot of game writers aren't good. But I think cutscenes... I think that that's less and less the case every year, first of all. And I think it's an unfair just thing to cast on games writing. I think it's just the medium hasn't figured out how to get away from the cutscene model. Which I think the cutscene model is a lazy crutch for games. I agree. Yeah. So it's, um, it's hard to take a... Well, larger point here is I just don't think that... It's, I don't think you can compare them one to one. A two and a half hour cutscene montage to a movie. I think that there's there's more there. I think there's just 
there's some really interesting characters in there. Like, I'm not disparaging it completely. I think there's some really interesting characters. Wait, you're telling me it's not binary, that you either love it or you hate it? <laughs> and I think they do some good characterization, but, like, when they first characterize... Char- they do what? When they first characterize mm. Evie... Characterize. <laughs> Evie and Jacob, Jacob mm-hmm. at the beginning, they come off very one note. And, and they, and they kind of hold on to that longer but- than they should have. Okay, that's fair. I just think that a lot of the context for a video game character, like, you got a lot of Ezio. Well, okay, Ezio's opened up really strong in Assassin's Creed 2. Oh, I love the intro. Assassin's Creed 2 intro is amazing. Because, like, they, they, they climb the thing, they climb the tower and the tower card. Remember that part? Well, yeah, but he's, he's isn't, aren't you running away? From- no. No, the beginning of Assassin's Creed 2 is you and your brother are just, like, goofing off. You're, like, right. teenagers. But isn't your mom yelling at you? Yeah, you like you're just fucking off. But fucking the mom around. yells that you only care about vagina, and that was like the line that like when I was in high school, I was like, oh. yeah, it was something like that. And you and your brother are hanging out, and then you climb the top of the, some tower. The beginning of Assassin's Creed Two is cool because it did what a lot of revenge films do, where they they make you fall in love with something really quick, and like you think this family's great, and then they just rip it away from them. So it gives you, I think, you buy yourself a, like at least thirty minutes, forty minutes of like just rage from the player. To like want to pursue the Pope or whoever you're fighting. You're right. And they also do that thing where who you are at the beginning isn't who you are for most of the game. Like, I love that too. Like you're not dressed the same. You don't look the same. You don't have the same pursuits. And it makes it fun to go back and play that part again too. I right. think I think it's really important because a lot of intros and games are so bad and, and boring, you know. But I think that it's so hard because it, it, there is so much exposition and drawn out. You don't have the full suite of your gameplay mechanics. And that's tricky. But I'm going to give a good example of that. Like, Batman is that way, too. You know, because at the beginning, it's the Metroidvania kind of thing, where in the beginning of, you know, Batman's, like, your suit, you don't realize how fucked up your suit gets until you start the game over again, and you're like, whoa. But there's no visual distinction between Batman at the beginning and Batman at the end, except for his, his suit. Yeah. Well, what I like, a distinction. Yeah, well, what I liked about Assassin's Creed 2 is that there's that obvious, like, I don't know, the first 30 minutes or an hour is this, this is obviously a this character at a different point of his life like right. he is younger he is naive he has he's not an assassin right and i wish games did that more like i wish like because there's in assassin's creed 2 they do that really stupid thing where they just jump forward in time like two three years and say so it's like okay now it's nine, and now it's 14 i like it towards the end though because it, it did give an excuse to grow a goatee yeah but it doesn't like it doesn't just do kidding. well in clarifying what happened in that Time period in between, because it, it just sat. I like the Assassin's Creed Two story. I think it's it's. I don't remember a lot of it. Like I remember. I want you to play Black Flag. Black remember, Flag's really cool. I remember the truth. Like I no, made sure to get all the truth. It's all incoherent. But my point is, I feel like games should have more of that structure. Like like every act, the character should be different. Maybe have a different suite of tools or something. And I know that would piss players off because like, hey, I unlocked this stuff. Well, as long as you build on your existing, you know what I mean? Like as long as you don't take stuff away. Or if you take them away, it has to be really meaningful in a way that, like I love when games, like I love in Fallout, like the pit, when you get all your stuff taken away and it forces you to like reapproach situations. But that can only be fun for so long in a game where it's all about getting stronger. So that's like a weird... I agree. I think it'd be kind of cool to have that act structure where the character is changing dramatically, and that's illustrated through the gameplay. Like, I feel like two Brotherhood and Revelation should have all been the same game. Well, I think a lot of people think that. I think the people that work on that game probably think that. Um, 
and I see where you're going with that, where, like, it's, you know, we have old Ezio, we have, you know, middle-aged, refined Ezio, and then we have young Ezio. But Revelations was so bad that... I, I didn't dislike Revelations. I didn't play a lot of it. But I beat it. I didn't like it. I like the color scheme of Istanbul. It was just nice to Well, get and out. running through the market in Istanbul was, like, that super famous market was really cool. They just sent you there over and over and over. I was just finally ready to get out of the Mediterranean reds and creams of Renaissance Italy. And but, man, it. the first time you played Assassin's Creed 2, it was nuts. It was cool. Like, and it was the perfect, like, Venice like, the perfect place. And you finally swim. But you should get, you should get, you can get Assassin's Creed 4 for super cheap. I'll probably get it. It's so good, because it doesn't care. It's just so, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, it's so bombastic, and, like, you build a crew up, and it does a really good job of making this, like, suite of pirate characters that you like you recognize throughout the game and there's a um a girl pretending to be a guy the whole game well the problem with black flag is that i think it was supposed to be a big reveal that this guy was a woman but like from the beginning i'm like that sounds like a woman like this is is a really effeminate dude it's like uh ah shit who's the female character in um pirates of caribbean when she stows away on the ship Oh, um, what's the actress? Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley. Her name is Elizabeth Swan. Yeah, Elizabeth Swan. Nope, mm, nope. That did not work out. <laughs> she stows away on the ship, and like no one can tell. Yeah, that she's a woman. Yeah, Kira Knightley's a badass. Anyways, well, I want to revisit Syndicate because I am gonna play it, but I want to play it on PC because I want to have it all maxed out. Because those games I play just because they look. The art direction in those games is just fucking nuts. Like just the character and the facial animations. Really? Like, it's it's even Elite from Unity. And Unity was good. So, Elite from Black Flag Unity and then Unity to this, it's just, it's amazing. Really? All the screenshots that I see of it, though, looks it just looks foggy. Well, it's 19th foggy century. London town. It's London. They're okay. spewing smog into the air. Yeah. It looks, I like the era, though. And, I mean, people just shit on Assassin's Creed because it jumps around and, like, it's just an excuse to go to these historical locations, but... No other game goes to these places. Yeah, like, there's that claim that if there wasn't this context of this pseudo-future... I love all the animus stuff. Everyone hates it. It's, like, still, like, my favorite thing. But people argue if, like, that context wasn't there, like, we couldn't do have this historical fiction bit. And, you know, no one else has tried making one, so I don't know where that argument's coming from. I think people don't like the execution of the animus stuff. So they're they're casting doubt on the whole structure of it, where I think it's fine. I don't really like it either, but it's whatever. I like it in Black Flag when you work for essentially Ubisoft. It was cool. It was really cool. And like the puzzles, like it was just enough of a reprieve that when you go back into Pirate World, it's kind of cool. I don't know. I like that also it pulls you out. It's like an intermission or like a, a, a halfway through short film. like, Or it's like the Pixar short films in the beginning. Like you get this little thing that's cool and then you see a Pixar movie. And I like that. Speaking of facial animation, though, we rented Until Dawn the other night. Oh, yeah? That game's really scary. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to play it. It's not as scary as, like, P.T., though. You played P.T. Yeah, well, I watched... I held that controller for, like, five seconds, and then I gave it to your girlfriend. No, I thought Wendy played it. I think they both played it. Sarah did stop. Well, anyways, we played Until Dawn for... We got it probably an hour into it. We returned it. We rented it from Redbox. But, um... <laughs> It was pretty cool. The facial animation, that's really good, though. Yeah. It runs at, like, 20 frames per second, though. Really? Yeah, it was bugging me out. I was like, man, this doesn't look very good. Who made it? Uh, Who made Until Dawn? 
Remedy? Not Remedy. Mm. Well, anyways, it's cool because what it does is... Super massive. Yeah. Um, it asks you, 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 you cut back and forth between the psychoanalyst guy and he's asking you questions and then it, that seeds the game for what it shows you. Right, I've heard pretty that. pretty cool. D- so we got that- a lot of scarecrows and needles. <laughs> Does that happen before the game or after the game? It's throughout. But what I'm saying is, like, chronologically, do those... Oh, I don't know. I never... I didn't get very far into it. Okay. I don't know when... I don't know. You don't know who he's talking to. It's just first-person camera. But it was... um, It's cool. And it's fun in the fact that me, Tim, Sarah, and Chrissy sat and played it. Well, Tim, Tim was playing it, but we all sat and made decisions. So that's kind of fun. So you basically turned into a party game. It's like watching a horror movie. Oh, no, no, but it was more like that. It's like watching a horror movie where we get to pick. We have. I think that that's really interesting, and that there's gonna be a lot. That could be a bigger thing. That, like that could be the first wave of like, of what another type of genre for games where it's like we get that choose your own adventure in a movie, but it's kind of a shared experience. And I think if you could somehow do that, I think they did it really well. But there's probably more you could do there. Well, I've heard of couples playing the Telltale games together. Right. It's like that. Well, you know, and it's like, you make the choice, you make the choice, but, um, I don't know, it was pretty cool. I didn't get far enough in it to really know what happened. It has the girl from Heroes in it, so, there's that. I, I don't think I'd be able to play it. Oh, uh, I got scared. I was getting really scared towards the end. It's a lot of jump scares, so I was like, well, I'm going to bed. And gore. Does it get gory at points? Doesn't it turn yeah. like a slasher movie? It's a slasher movie. I mean, it's just, it's horror, dude. Mm. That's gore. You watch The Walking Dead, that's gore. No, but I don't watch the TV show. Oh, oh. I don't like the TV show. Not because of the story or anything, but I can't handle that. Gore. Really? Yeah. I don't mind, like, action movies or, like... Yeah, because you get... I don't know. It's your... Or, like, Assassin's Creed is kind of... The new one's pretty gory, it looks like. <laughs> it's just a lot of scarlet. That's cool, though. I like it, the speed... I like that the characters move at an unnatural speed when they're fighting. It yeah. looks cinematic, which I love, is cool. I love how he's just always cracking people over the head with that cane. Have you heard the gameplay designer talk? I remember... It was this time last year, where they like, we want to make it more punchy. And like, for some reason, I'm like, well, that's pretty punchy. Like, you did it. But it's all through animation speed. Like, it's not, I don't think it's, I wonder how it plays. I wonder if it feels more responsive or not. But I'm sure it plays the same fighting system. So. I always like, I mean, always found the Assassin's Creed fighting system fine. I never minded it. It's not, it's not hard. There's no challenge there. The stealth part of Assassin's Creed was the part that I always liked. I liked being the guy that could get in, you only kill the target, and you get out. That's how I played those games. Yeah. Well, so when they start in Unity, you can finally crouch. Yeah. And in Unity, it was like half-baked, but apparently it's better in Syndicate. Yeah. Because I want stealth that's like real stealth, not like half-ass stealth. Yeah, I agree. Or Far Cry stealth, where it's just like, you can do whatever you want yeah. as long as you're crouched. Yeah, as close as... They just need to get closer to Far Cry or Splinter Cell. Splinter Cell, I think, I think Blacklist had like... One of my favorite stealth systems because you are such an active participant, the way that like Dishonored has you be stealthy. I almost think Blacklist is like the most I feel like in Blacklist you always feel like you're in complete control of the room. Um you're not waiting, you're just moving. Which I think it's really cool. So I think there's some sort of sound mechanic in Syndicate, because mm-hmm. there'll be this little halo that mm-hmm. revolves around the character and there's a waveform that appears on it. It's like in Splinter Cell when you used to have the sound meter. But I hate that it's on the character itself. You can turn it off. You think so? Mm-hmm. Okay. You can turn all the UI stuff off. Are you sure you can turn it off? I'm pretty sure you can. Maybe we can look it up right now. 
The I just don't know why they. I like minimal UI, so I don't know why they would put something that interacts with the character like that. Well, the I guess they want to put it on a way that you see like they did it really well with the old Splinter Cell, where like the light sensor was on your back, which was cool. Um, I don't know, but oh well. I'm pretty sure you can turn it off, but then you won't have a sense of sound. So I don't know if that's an important mechanic. I don't know. Or not. Well, I'm glad you're watching Assassin's Creed the movie. It's Michael, all right. Michael Fassbender. <laughs> Do you, what other games have you done that with? Halo 4, Metal Gear Solid. I, I didn't even make it through any of the Metal <laughs> Gear Solids. They're just so bad. Oh, dude, come on. What else did I do it with? I did it with Assassin's Creed Unity. I did it with all the God of War games. Oh, that's what I wanted to tell you last time we talked about this. Is that God of War 3 has a... It's awesome. Yeah. God of War is awesome. Just, but like from a narrative component, they just set Kratos up as this apathetic person that is just willing to watch the entire world die mm-hmm. to just for petty revenge. Yep. And because I watched the first two... God of War games first, and there's like nothing there compared to three. Three just so crammed full of characters in progression. Well, I think that God of War three could only exist if God of War. I mean, maybe not two, but God of War one especially. I like God of War one's conceit, where you killed your family. It's just Hercules. Oh yeah, that was fine. I was and just you're saying, covered in the ashes of your family. Yeah, but I'm just saying that like the fact that you're fighting Ares. It feels like there are like only three set pieces in God of War 1 and 2 each. Yeah. And then in God of War 3, it feels like there's like 20. God of War 3 is big. Yeah, because you're going to the underworld. You're going, you know, Hephaestus is helping you. You're constantly going back to Hephaestus and doing mm-hmm. stuff with him. I thought that was all just super fascinating. He's crippled. <laughs> Zeus beat the shit out of him. Broke his kneecaps. Yeah, I like God of War 3. I like it. Well, anything else been playing? So I played Broken Age. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, that. I'm up to, I'm up to the start of Act Two. How many acts are there? Three. There's two. Because okay. that's where they. Right, 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 right. Two act thing. Got yeah. It. Okay. And is the twist so good? Man, don't tell me. The twist is so good. Don't tell me. But is it that good? It's not like oh, it's the best thing ever. But it's it's pretty good. And is the... it that good or what is it? You can't make up your mind. It's pretty good. Okay. And the reason it's good, I'm not going to tell you, but the reason it's good is because they do something before it to change your expectations. Oh. Like a twist. It's a twist. That's cool, though. But I guess all your Broken Age reaction would be narrative-based, huh? Yeah. Well, I realized... So, I mean, that's how I play a lot of games. We talked about that before, is that I play games to see the story. The problem with Broken Age is that the mechanics... Are just can be so obtuse at sometimes, like adventure I, games. I, I've had to look at a walkthrough twice to solve two different puzzles. Well, and, and that's the kind of game where like you're on this like narrative uh, momentum, and like you hit something like that, and it just pisses you off because it's like this isn't fun. That's what happened. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It's like, yeah. well, I'll, I'll come back to this later. But it's it's a shame because I like the story enough to want to keep going, yeah. but like I never want to be like, oh, I'll sit down and play some more Broken Age because. Who knows how long it'll take me to get to the next plot point. That's how I feel about like a lot of first-person shooters. Which is weird. 
Well, but that you can just crank the difficulty down. But I hate doing that because I also like the, I don't know, there's some part of me that's like, I can't do that. That part is called ego. Mm, yes, that part. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. And it's really frustrating when it's, and I always find myself getting to a point where I care more about the story because I figured the game out and it's hard for me to like want to finish it at that point. Whereas like, I feel like you want to see the thing through. But like when a game, when I enter a room and I'm like, all right, I need to do this, 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 and this, and then I get, I'll know, I, I can figure out how I'm going to get through it before I actually get through it. Then I kind of get less excited. Or I hit a roadblock like in Bloodborne where I'm just like, this is impossible, which is not obviously because people have beaten it. But Bloodborne doesn't have much of a story, does it? Um. Like I know, I know nothing about the Bloodborne. Bloodborne's kind of cool. Or Dark Soul universe. People get really into it. It's not... You probably wouldn't like it. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Bloodborne's cool because it... You would have no idea what it is until you start picking up on the little clues throughout the game. Which is why I think it's better as a game than as a movie kind of thing. Aren't the clues in like item descriptions and stuff like that? That's Dark Souls. Okay. Bloodborne has a sanity mechanic, essentially. It's very Lovecraftian. Okay. Where the more... God, what is the meter? You have, I can't even remember. But basically, the lower one meter is, the different monsters change. Oh, oh, so you can take, there's a leveling mechanic kind of that you can burn these souls. I can't remember what it is. But basically, once your score hits a threshold, the monsters change because you get more powerful. But also, you're seeing clearer as to what's happening around you. And it makes the monsters more fucked up. I can't even, I can't remember how it works. God, it was really, it's actually really interesting. So at the bottom, like, tier, your vision is not literally hazy, but you're you're seeing these monsters in a different way? Yeah, well, and it, it's actually, like, a scalable difficulty, too. Because the stronger you get, the higher this meter has to be to use the items. But the higher that meter is, the stronger the enemies are. Or they open up new abilities. They're not, they're not stronger. Okay. But they have, like, you know, all of a sudden, this guy that was normally a melee-only combatant has a ranged spell or something. It's pretty cool. But yeah, I haven't been playing Bloodborne, though. I need to finish that, too. It's another game I haven't finished. So, something I was thinking about, because we all have, we both have our respective piles of shame, I was thinking, beyond Fallout 4, I was thinking of not buying another new game until I at least try and or beat all the games in my pile of shame. I mean, it's cost-effective. And it would let me experience a lot more games because, you know, I don't play that many games, but I have all those games on my Steam account or on my Uplay account. They're just sitting there. Like, I haven't touched Future Soldier since buying it. There's just some games that, like, I just, I have limited time, and I don't know if I need to finish Future Soldier or if I need to finish. Well, sure, but I mean, play it enough to understand it. Yeah, no, 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 I think that'd be cool. Like, I own Antichamber, but I haven't never touched it. I would like to pick a game that you and I agree to beat. Like Annie Chamber or something like that. Because there's always that the old game club show that I like a lot where they would talk about like old hitmen or like, you know what I mean? They would play up to a certain point each week together and then talk about it. And I like that. That would be kind of cool to roll in. And it would be kind of cool to approach it from, you know, what we would take from it for a game that we would make or how we would do things or, you know, armchair. But like, you know, if you were to play Dishonored and be like, well, this mechanic was really cool. How could you roll that into, you know? Something that we want to make. I did play Dishonored. 
No, so did I. I'm saying it was a, it was a hypothetical. Let's dilemma. talk about Dishonored. Right now? No. I, I want to play it again, though. But then Dishonored 2 comes out. And XCOM 2 comes out. We'll so play the like, second one. But we could do with Fallout. I mean, we'll definitely both be playing Fallout. Yeah. Um, did you see that the Pit Boys went up for sale again? Yeah, I don't like, want one. Again, again, again. I really wanted one at first, and then I saw what it looked like, and I was like, wait a minute. I have no need for that at all in the slightest. It's your perfect Vault Dweller cosplay prop. Yeah, I don't really cosplay, though. Halloween costume. Now you just need the jumpsuit. That would be a cool costume. That fucking Fallout trailer, though. That's cool? God, that was so good. Did we talk about that last week? No, we didn't. We said we were going to talk about it this week because we forgot to talk about it last week. Oh, it was really good. I'm just a sucker for really good trailers, like movie trailers, mm-hmm. anything I am like too, that. Yeah. It was good. I like when he shoots the bug. <laughs> when he shoots the rad roach. Mm-hmm. Very casually does it. The only flaw I saw is when he's shooting the super mutants and he misses. He's just shooting at their feet on the mound of the hill and then they shoot and they all miss. Like, There's no way this their confrontation... Their gun skill is low. Both their gun skills are very low. It's just very low. It's the beginning of the game. Big guns. There's live action crazy yeah what was crazy is that when it was live action and it pulled up to his texture of his jumpsuit and i couldn't tell if that was the live action jumpsuit or a cg jumpsuit because it just was that stylized and i think that's kind of cool that we live in an era where it's, it's hard to it's hard to tell i love the first 10 seconds where it starts with the mr handy cutting the hedge and then right. the car rolls by and then just it all gets blasted away from the bomb. fallout opening yeah well it's funny because like it's still hard to visualize how nuclear weapons work in that universe because they obviously aren't that they aren't powerful enough to just glass the surface of the earth mm-hmm. but they're powerful enough to destroy it in think, a certain way i think they're like i think they're atom bombs they're atom bombs yeah right. they're, they're, they'll level a city you know what i mean but they won't level a city because one directly hits the white house in fallout 3 but all it does is leave a crater exactly where the lighthouse is so unless you want to tell me that's like a mid, like bigger than a mini nuke, but smaller than a regular nuke, um, just just the logic behind the actual nuclear warfare is just the only thing that trips me up in those games. Hmm. Like I can believe all the other conceits. I can believe the conceits with the ghouls. I've been irradiated so much that they're basically immortal, and mm-hmm. all this stuff. Like that's fine. I can buy into that. But just the okay. But the bomb didn't cause all the destruction. The The fact that the society that came back and has been reclaiming the area is also causing destruction. Sure, but they're reclaiming an area that's been decimated. But, like, when you walk down a street and all the pavements cracked mm-hmm. in Fallout 3, like, that was caused by the bomb. Or just, like, it's also, like, a long time after the bomb dropped. I guess. And, like, it could be, like, nature reclaiming it. That's the thing, though. It's just, just, it's just that's the only... Hard yeah. thing to wrap my head around. Yeah. Disbelief. I suspend it. Suspended. But no. You, you play anything else? Um, no. No. What about you? Uh, Steam, Steam controller. Destiny. Status report. Uh, I I like Steam controller a lot. I like completely healed. Like I was kind of, at first I liked it, and then I was like, this is kind of dumb, and then. There's been a, a wave of people that have made controller configs where it's controller, gamepad, pretty much the entire controller minus the pad. It acts as a mouse for mouse looks. So it's really sensitive, and I like that. But 
the gyroscope in the controller is really accurate and really sensitive and it lets you do stuff that I've never been able to do with a gamepad before where you can basically you get you use the touchpad to get you in the range of like like to like get in the hitbox and then you can gyro up down because the gyro is super sensitive I mean super di like dialed down so that a subtle movement is a subtle movement on screen and I didn't think it would be as it's insanely intuitive it's like when you use an ipod the first time you're like oh this is how i'm supposed to use this like i it's awesome it just makes sense because i can pretty much it's really easy to get a beat on a body and then you just flick up and it's boom like head like it's just like i was clearing out like metal gear solid stuff like it was nothing um and i haven't played any first person shooters with it that's that's the ultimate test for me because i can't I but can't. i'm gonna play fallout with it oh well yeah but fallout's not competitive one, I don't know if I would use it in a competitive... I don't play competitive games, so I don't know what I would... This is one time you boot up Team Fortress or Dota 2. Well, Dota 2 would be different. But, anyways, it's it's really... The paddles in the back are really cool. The, uh, the Witcher 3 was really fun with it, because I could do, like, a lot of the combat on the back. But you have to bind... You can't... It's hard to throw the traditional gamepad layout on it because I think there's better ways to use it and once you use them it's harder to go back because I would go from playing the Steam controller to playing Destiny and it would take me about 10 minutes to readjust where I would be like I was I was upset that I wasn't able to zero in on stuff quick enough. Do you think this is going to influence the next generation of gamepads for the gyroscope thing for sure like that's a big thing. But hasn't Hasn't Sony had that for a while? Yeah, but there isn't nearly a sense. Like, this is like... I mean, it, it feels like one-to-one. -one. It feels like I'm, like, tugging a string on the gun. Like, I'm, like... It's it's nuts. And... I would agree, because I remember when I would use the Wii Remote back when I'd play my Wii and always felt like the cursor was, like, an inch or two below where I was pointing on the screen. Well, you're not pointing it at the screen, but... You were pointing at the sensor bar, I know, but, like... No, 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 no. I'm saying the controller. You're not pointing at anything. Oh, yeah. It's just It just knows... It pretty much... Well, the cool thing is also is it... So, the thing with the Wiimote is that it's always oriented to that bar or the screen. But this, it starts as orientation. You can set a threshold for it, like, to to not accurate the gyroscope. So, for my setups, a lot of time, it, it doesn't... The gyro doesn't kick in until you have your finger on the pad. Oh. So, so, there's, so there's no dead zone. You just have to activate it. Well, the dead zone is as soon as you press the thing down. That's center. And then... So, what happens is, is that you're not even thinking what's happening. You're just... You're swiping over to get to the character, and then once you're on, it moves based on once you've hit the thing. So you're physically, you don't have to think through it. It's just like now it's up, because up is always based on when you engage it. I don't know. It just it makes a lot of sense, and it's really really good. Well, then the habits kick in too, so it'll spin up. You can feel it shake the more you're tilting it. So there's a, there's a good feedback loop there. I'm a big fan of it. I like it a lot. I think I'm excited. I'm always excited to use it. Um, and try it with new games too, which is kind of cool. Uh, I haven't played any mouse look games though. I want to play Incognita with it, but um, what is that? That clay stealth game. What is that? The turn-based kind of like XCOM but with spies game. What is that? Stop. It's uh, Inco. I don't know how to describe it. It's just like it's kind of like XCOM but with infiltration and stealth. Incognita. Terra Incognita. And what's funny? That's. Sarah's brother's title for a screenplay. Really? Yeah. Maybe it's incognito. I mean, that's a word. Oh, maybe I should type in video game. Yeah. After it. 
I thought it was Incognita. Oh, Invisible Ink. It used to be called Incognita when it first oh. came out, when it was in um, Early Access. Right, because I've heard of Invisible Ink. Yeah, sorry. But they renamed it that. It was originally called Incognita. Right. I think you mentioned this last week. Hey, you wanted to... Yeah, so... That game's cool. Uh, What's cool? And then... Playing Destiny. Destiny's how's, cool. How's Destiny? It's good. I got to do one of the Nightfall Strikes the other day. Did I tell you about that? No, what's a Nightfall Strike? It's um like their weekly heroic, essentially, equivalent. Uh, and, like, you know, in WoW, like, heroics. So it's, like, the hard mode for the, the dungeons. And um, you have to have a group of people to play with to do that. So my stepbrother has the game. So I've been playing with him and his friend. And those are fun. Because Destiny gets a lot better when you... Because normally it just pairs you up randomly and you just play and, you know... But when you can coordinate and, like, it, it plays, like, a WoW dungeon where, you're like, you're, like, taking out the ads first and then DPS, DPS, DPS. And that's actually really fun. And I wish there were mechanics in the game to relay that information without the mic so that you could have that kind like of communication. Commands. Like the, yeah, so in WoW, you could always do the, the icons over the players, you know? So as a tank, I would always be like, this is who I'm tanking, DPS dish, blah, blah, blah. I always love that. I forgot about that until just now. You could put the icons over them? Yeah, mm-hmm. like you had the crescent, you had the blue moon, mm-hmm. there's uh, the condom, it's the purple circle. Right. There's an purple. orange square, yep. blue triangle. Yep. So, blue horseshoes, rainbows. Red balloons. I would always put one over a group member that I didn't like. <laughs> and then they just have it over their head and they get really annoyed. So before they had that, there was that WoW has all those yearly holidays. Mm-hmm. And one is the Lunar Festival, which is like their equivalent of Chinese New Year. Okay. And there was a special world boss encounter. I forget what the boss's name. He was basically a play on Cerebus. From mm-hmm. Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. And it was in Moonglade, which was like the Druid area. So all these people go to Moonglade, they fight this guy. And what you'd get is this thing called, it's called like Light of a Loon or Star of a Loon or something. Not, not Star of a Loon, it's something. But basically what it was, it would call down a pillar of light wherever you threw it. I remember those. So that was before they had that system. So you would use those attacks. Yeah, so you'd like throw it at something. It's like, okay, you stand here. You stand. It was mostly, it was less for tagging actual enemies and more for like orienting yeah it was more for orienting like a specific spot well you, you still would need those because you couldn't you could never do there's a specific spot thing right so i don't you could run over and do it i think i think they might have something in place now for that oh really or it's just a rechargeable item that well, that was just cool because it, it did feel like you were just in this world they conveyed that sensation of being in a world very well yeah um destiny less so but when you start talking to people and playing with people, it does feel more like you're like showing stuff off and being like, look at this thing, look at this thing. Um, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I just wish there was less of the Guild Wars sense of... I love Guild Wars, though. ...being instanced. I don't mind that. I think that someone will eventually make that shooter that does have that World of Warcraft feel, and maybe it's the Division. They're hiring. Ubisoft? Redstorm. Where are they? North Carolina. So. But. Anyway, so I played, I mean, I haven't played much this week, though. So what's the, so what's the end point besides the raid? Like, like. Not as raid hard mode. But, like, what comes right because you're not going to do the raid? I'll probably do the raid eventually. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm leveled up. I'm geared for it. But you just, but you just need the people. Yeah. I have two. (laughs) So I just need three more. And there's websites that will facilitate it for you. I just. Yeah, I heard that the Bungie forums website is actually really good about 
oh, really? getting that stuff. Yeah, like you can just go on there and ask if anyone's interested, and they're pretty friendly. And it doesn't seem like it's too hard to get into a raid group now, especially now that people have done it so many times. Did they just want to run it too? I just don't understand why there isn't that built-in matchmaking for it. Like I understand that you're going to fail. I don't know. It's just it's silly. I'm sure that there was many heartfelt arguments over it, and someone won. And I don't know. But I have a feeling that Destiny 2 will have raid matchmaking. Or whatever Destiny, you know, whatever the next iteration of it is, I think we'll have it. I'd be real upset if it was actually called Destiny 2. What about Destiny T-O-O? <laughs> two Destiny. Two Destiny, Two Furious. But yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think if I play anything else. Uh, not really. I like it. I like, I want to get more time on the Steam controller, though. I dig it. Dig them. Dig them. You got any news you want to talk about? So we both read that Kotaku report. That was a good, well-written thing. On the story behind the making of Destiny. That's actual journalism. <laughs> it is. That's like the most journalism journalism I've seen in a while. Where it's like months and months of work. So what did you think of it? Well, you want to talk about what it is? Sure. Oh, me? You yes, want me you. to talk about it? You. Oh, oh. Uh, it's basically a, an expose about what happened to Destiny in the development and how they pretty much had to do a, heel, a massive heel turn because the uh, response to the original narrative, which was a very linear Halo-esque narrative, was they pretty much just didn't like it. And then they heel turned and they had to open up the world and make it much more vague. But pretty much the lead writer left through the project and... It was after the response to his work was pretty tepid. So, yeah. But it pretty much explains what happened and why the, the, the Destiny narrative was so broken mm -hmm. at first. And now I think it's fine. I mean, I think Destiny works. It does what it needs to. But much more now. So the Taken King's quest stuff at all, it, like, you know what happens. You know who you're fighting. Like, it's... it's. But is it blowing you away or is it just, is it permissible? I mean, it's as good as any other Halo shooter or anything like that. It's It's... It's cool. It's it's different. I think it's it's not, you know, I, I don't think you're going to get blown away by any first person narrative because we're so, so used to the bombast. Like what's fun and what will blow you away narratively, I think is different at this point. And I think that in order to do both, you have to kind of, I don't know, I think that the first person shooter space needs to be like, to be blown away by a first person narrative and still have it be a fun like loop, which would involve like the bombastic and like, you know interesting scenarios i think you'd have to kind of reinvent what you're doing in a first person shooter i think some of that might come with just shrinking the scope of it right like there needs to be less of these grandiose world treading yeah narratives but i still i like the whole oryx thread i think it's cool you know the taking king it makes sense it's cool it, it, it throws different scenarios at you that you you hadn't done in destiny before the the new types of, of enemies are are interesting and and challenging and you know, Bungie does what it does well, which is makes these sandboxes for you to move around and, you know, so it's cool. But what are you thinking? I'm just looking back over it, but yeah, basically what you're saying. So Joe Staten, who we mentioned before when we were talking about the music stuff, he his name kind of showed up in the mm -hmm. court filings with O'Donnell. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he was the lead writer that either left or let go, whatever the case it wasn't on very amicable terms. So what happened was, like you were saying, so they showed the lead creative staff 
Essentially the movie. Yeah, the super cut. Mm-hmm. I think it was like two hours or something of all the cutscenes and everything. Which is crazy because the, the final release of the had like maybe 10 minutes of cutscenes. Yeah, who watches cutscenes? Well, okay, in that scenario, whatever. I'm not, we can talk about it later. <laughs> but, yeah. I watch cutscenes, I just watch them in the context of playing the game. I'm just messing with you. No, I'm upset. Alright, keep going. So they show them all the, basically the huge narrative outline, and I guess that, like these were all the final cutscenes, like all the pre-rendered stuff and everything, mm-hmm. is the context that I got from this article. And the, the lead guys were not impressed. Just, And it sounded like the, a bunch of people felt that way. Yeah, no, well, so there were kind of arguments back and forth. They said like the, the, the movie, Destiny the movie, didn't do the narrative justice, because I guess, like you were saying, taking away all that context... Mm-hmm. kind of made it seem like it was jumping everywhere. Like mm-hmm. it was all convoluted and everything. Mm-hmm. So, and this was in late, what was this? No, this was early 2013. And they decided to change ship and they were going to just scrap the entire story and start over. Mm-hmm. But they were starting over in the sense that they were taking all of these encounters and stuff that they had already built and haphazardly stitching them together. To make them make sense. So it didn't make sense. No. So like the example they were talking about was, oh, if if this was the through line for this quest series, you know, A, B, C, X, Y, Z, they would take step A and take step X and stitch it together. Mm-hmm. And that would be the new yeah, I mean, quest. The money's got to go. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I understand that from just a, a technical standpoint. It's just they didn't have time. And apparently, like the CEO of, of Bungie. Jason Jones. Jason. Is that his name? I think it's Jason Jones. Harold Ryan. Type in Jason Jones. He is in here. I don't know. He's like a creative lead, I believe. Project lead. Okay. He's Destiny Project lead. But the CEO of Bungie, Harold Ryan, and a bunch of other... Andrew Ryan? Yep. Okay. Would you kindly, Activision, give us more time on this game? (laughs) Yeah, so they had to go and kind of negotiate for... More time. An increase in time. And, like, when they had to do this kind of turnaround, they basically cut the writers out of the loop. I sound like because they just had to stitch everything no, together. No, Joseph Staten left. No, 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 no. And well, then the writers, the writers that stayed, which is his writing team, had to like piece it together. Because there was a point where they talk about in this article. Well, they had these meetings called like Iron Ford meetings or something. No, I know. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but the, the the writers didn't. They were still there. Oh, right. I'm not saying they were fired, but like, and that's a quote. That's not. That's not the 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 article itself isn't saying that. That's a quote from a person who is their source. But well, they have multiple sources in this article. No, what I'm saying is though, is that I don't. I think that because, right, whatever. Largely, what happened was is that they had to piece together a bunch of content they already had to a story they didn't have. Yeah, but like not including the writers and helping in that attempt, like, is just going to make it worse off. But I don't think the article says. That when they had the meetings, they were they were involved. They just got tasked to doing things that I I think it was fucked. Like I, I don't think the, yeah the iron bar, the writers themselves, the writing team jumping together was ostracized. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they were then. I don't know. I think I think they were because I mean that's pretty common how the writer isn't because you know it's a video game. Video games the gameplay is seen as superior to the writing. Mm-hmm. So the Game designers are allowed to tell the writer what to do or is allowed to make changes to the writing to service the game, but not in the reverse. Especially this late in production, I understand why. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's a huge resource sink. Mm-hmm. It is. So changing 
a couple of lines of so it's dialogue. It's easier to back in your story into the gameplay than the other way around. Which is a shame. Like, like, like that, that, well, I mean, it's not a shame. It's just that's a, a fact of resource allocation. Like, Well, that's a shame because, like, why was Joe Statton's team allowed to work so long and then they pulled the plug? It's a creative project. Like, that's it's just how, when the business comes in, it's going to shit all over the thing when the thing has to be a certain thing. But it wasn't the business. It was the other creative lead saying, oh, we don't like that. Well, why didn't you say you didn't like that earlier in the process of making it? I, I think you're right, but I think that any creative endeavor goes through this process no matter – it's always a mess. It's not – there's no process. It's a messy thing. Creative's messy. I understand. No, I, I think you do, but I also think that you you don't understand that in the – when you're – you want it to work linearly. Like we have this thing and then we have this thing and then we have this thing. But for a production quality piece of work, like a film, like they don't shoot movies the right – like – the reason I think this new Star Wars is going to be amazing is because Harrison Ford got hurt. So they had a month where they could watch what they had for a month and look at it and be like, all right, we need to do this, this, and this, and this. Most teams don't have that. Most teams are working up to the wire where like, all right, we have deliverable A, B, and C. And then everyone wants to work agile now, so everyone's working concurrently. That This is just how it happened. And I think this is a really good example of it blowing up in their face. But I don't think – in order for it just to look at like how resources would have to move, if a writer rewrote a scenario – you then have to build the scenario again. You then have to make the assets for the scenario. You have to make the gameplay loop for the scenario. That's more expensive than just being like, all right, this is the scenario. I don't know, writers, make something up and it works. And it sucks, but I think that's just... I think that's just... I think that's something that's slowly changing and I've seen so many writing pieces and so many different kind of reports about saying like, this is like pre-production needs to change in order for these problems oh, to be... Oh, for sure. When you see that happen all the time, where you need to have the groundwork laid out to have a successful anything, you have to have the solid, you know, and everyone's on the same page. And that's when stuff works, when everyone's excited about it. But I think that this was such a massive heel turn in only a year to do it. I'm not saying it was the right call at all. I'm saying that given what was decided upon, the, you can't... You only have a year. Like, you can't, you can't rebuild the whole thing. I just want to know why... They decided that? Yeah, it's like, what was so... Well, man, the story sucked. But this wasn't much better, or uh, good at all. I don't know. Well, that's what I was saying. So, like, you know, parts of the writing, you know, there are parts where it gets, like, super defensive of the the pre-reboot story, mm-hmm. and I can understand that. But it also has parts in there where they talk about how it was, just was, it, was it didn't make sense. Right. It was convoluted, and it was, it was too small. Small in scope. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do think was super cool is that that game was done, like gameplay loop was probably done when they were making these final decisions, and then they had a year to refine it, which is why I think Destiny is like one of the best playing games ever, like hands down, like just, uh, that game just play, is the most fun to play. It's nuts. It's just so good. Everything is just crunchy, and like it just feels right, and it it, it moves at such a, uh, other games should play like Destiny, like. And that's what a year of polish to game like mechanic design and stuff can do. But yeah, there's you know Bungie's technique. I think you're gonna get a lot farther by having the, that super sweet gameplay system in place, and then building up around that than the other way around. No, well, I don't. I think it should be done concurrently. I think there should be some sort of. Well, but Dylan, that's not how the world works. That's not true. I've seen numerous stuff where like it's it's a different type of development. 
I'm not saying I'm I'm saying in this scenario when the creative team comes and you have a year to go, like what the fuck are you supposed to do? Well, I understand the situations they were in here. I'm just saying going forward, and they did fix it. Yeah, and, and they had another year to fix the story, and they. But if they had spent that year rebuilding the game from the ground up, do you, okay? Do you think the Taken King would be better had they led with what you were talking about earlier for that last year? Do you think that the game itself, like the physical gameplay loop, because they are disconnected? If you were in that scenario, what would you do? At which point? I, I'm your, not... your higher-ups have told you, the story's done. we got to scrap it. And you, you've tried. You've defended your work, and it's just not happening. They're like, well, we're not going to pay you anymore. And you're like, all right, I have 150 people I have to pay their salaries. Uh-huh. I, have to, I have to bend over. Okay? Activision's coming. Dylan, bend over. Um, so, you're in this scenario. You have uh, a game that's done, but they don't like the story. What do you do? I think you have to clarify more what they didn't like. Like, I don't understand this full... Well, read the article. Read in the article. They said that they basically threw everything out. But what? But because they... they I'm just telling you, like, that's just what... They came back to you with that. I'm not saying you're going to have the right answer. I'm just interested in what you're going to... Well, obviously, I don't think... Because since people are both criticizing it, but also defending it, there are good points around it. So why not just streamline... That existing story. That makes sense. Yeah, I would do that. I just don't understand. Like, dude, I'm not saying what they did is the right thing. I'm just interested in what you would do. Well, that's why I do. I would find like you edit. Like, okay. if you have a year to improve and finalize gameplay, you can take the writing staff can take that year and improve and finalize the story. Like, I know they have their timetables a little is moved up more because you know you have to go into the audio booth, you have to record all your lines and everything like that, but. I feel like they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater in this scenario. And I'm sure Des- I'm sure Bungie did too yeah. when they got the response. And I'm sure the writing team had never felt more validated than when that happened. But I think that that only happens when you fail spectacularly. Yeah. Well, it doesn't even matter now because that entire writing team's left. As they probably should have. But I think that the Taken King fixed a lot of it too, which is cool. It's just that I just don't know when... You're in that scenario, like which you shouldn't be in. You're right. You you need to have the pre-production process to not be in it. And the best games have some pretty some pretty cool narrative substance. But also, like that game was just so so many cooks in the kitchen that I don't think it could be as nimble as you wanted it to be. It's just too big. That's what I think. Damn it. And then there's this small point at the very end when they were talking about their engine tools. Oh, and how they can't keep up with, like, technology? Well, no, it's not that they can't keep up with technology. It's the way the engine is built is not conducive to quick changes. Yeah, and that is a problem. So, the way they described it is... Let me see. I didn't think that was interesting, though. I think it said, like, if they wanted to make a change... Let's see. Let's say a designer wants to go in and move a resource node two inches. They go into the editor, and then first they have to load their map overnight. So it takes overnight to just open up the map. It takes eight hours to input their map overnight. They get into the office the next morning, and if their importer didn't fail, they open the map, and then that takes 20 minutes to open, and then they move the node two feet, and then it takes about 20 more minutes to compile. Yeah. Like, that's... I'm not an engines... No, I think... Engineer. That's a pretty big... But, I mean, you see that a lot with, like... But how do you... So, in that scenario, I wonder if they have, like rapid prototyping stuff in place where they can make 
in like smaller silos, like gameplay changes and test them out and then apply them to the master game. You know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. Because to me, that would be... Well they, do, well, they do mention that like the engine is very conducive towards multiplayer matchmaking. Right. So that's probably where they focus their efforts. And... Right. But I wonder, like, because I've seen like videos of their, their testing ground for like guns and stuff, and I bet you that that has to be developed as like a separate uh, instance or something. Not like an instance in the game, but like a separate prop. Like, there's no way. Because if you had to sit there and be like, all right, up this or down this, and you have to wait a day every time, then that's just, that's fucking crazy. No, I think I think that is going towards the master build, like you're saying. Yeah. It's similar to like, you know, how it took rendering a frame of Sully from Monsters, Inc. took a day. Right. I mean, I think I think that's part of when the thing starts to get to getting so big and you want it to be locked down when it gets out. I don't know. How long does it take to render, like, one of those mega textures? Do you have any idea? Like, For, like, the aid games? Yeah. I mean, it's three... I have no idea. But texturing is different than... So, a texture is just a thing that exists in the world. So, I don't know if it... Like, a node is something that has to be talked to, has to be rendered in every machine that sees it, you know what I mean? That might be why it's so complicated, too. So, what is it defining here by resource node? Is that an engram, or is that... Uh, and maybe it's probably a, uh, like, there's resources in the game like, that you can farm. Kind of like uh, iron in, like, cloud and stuff. Okay, okay. There's resources that you can find. Hmm. But I don't think that's what I was talking about. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, I've not, I've played all of 10 minutes of Destiny mm-hmm. total. Mm-hmm. So it's just fascinating watching this entire story unfold. Oh, it's the story that everyone thought was going to happen, too. Like, everyone kind of hinted, and, like, there's enough that was coming out about it that, like, it seemed like that's what was going to happen, or that was coming. It's just cool that we got the story. Yeah, well, I'm talking about this entire arc, like, from the point where it came out, I watched people play it and respond to it, and then I watched people respond to it more and have this negative opinion, and then people still play it, and just this year-long saga, which I haven't been able to really ha- put an opinion into because I've never played it. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe I'll eventually play it. But if I play it now, <laughs> it'd be like playing... Wow, Cataclysm! After they make all those world changes, it's like you don't you don't have a sense of how it used to be. It's better now. No, I understand, but like you'd have less of appreciation because it's good now. But that's okay. I think it's fine. I think that as long as the product, the end product is better. People are like opposed to this whole like evolving game thing because it's it's a new like concept in game development because they're not done. Well, it's also because it's not what you paid for. But that's. So what? You don't pay, you don't own anything anymore that, like, this is just modern media. Like, eventually... All those Netflix movies I own. Well, They're all on my computer. I just... It's going to be weird because I think that this model works really well for games because games improve with more feedback and more that... For gameplay, not for, you know... But Diablo now is an exponentially better game than it was because of the, the time they could keep in development. And it's, you know... It's never done. And they talk about that in this article, how they brought in the diablo yeah that was awesome i thought that was so cool they're like look this is what we fucked up on players don't like complete randomization Mm -hmm. they want the sense of randomization with the upward momentum it's cool all right you got anything else about that article no i thought it was a well done article it was cool we gotta wrap it up okay anything else you want to say no big green monsters what i don't know what i don't know and what it, what it, what, uh, what are we going to have up next week? We're going to have the podcast and peak. Yep. Yay. Bye, Dylan. Bye.